Before the episode gets underway, I just wanted to apologize for the audio issues. There are a myriad of them for this episode, which is unfortunate. This is our kickoff of the Promised Neverland, and you know, since I am the one recording and broadcasting the stream, if there are issues on my end, it affects everyone's quality, and there were, in fact, plenty of issues affecting the way that uh, the, the quality of Shadon and Vorg uh, and myself. So apologies. It's not like wholly unlistenable, but it's certainly not up to the standard that we have been doing in the past. I will get these ironed out to the best of my ability. Next week should resume uh, the quality uh, that you'd normally expect from our stuff. Apologies again. Thanks, everyone. Hey, you. Yes, I mean you, dear listener. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this Warui Desho podcast. We're so happy to have the pleasure of your company today. If you've listened to us before and like our show, you might be wondering how you can support us, since we won't take your money. This podcast will continue to be free, but if you'd like to show your appreciation, please consider leaving us a rating and review on iTunes, as those help our discoverability. If you don't use iTunes, that's fine too. You can follow us and like and share our content on SoundCloud, YouTube, and Twitter. Additionally, we love getting your feedback, positive or negative. Tweet us at Show or email us at waterwaydeshow at gmail.com. Whether or not it gets read on the show, I can assure you, we all read every tweet and email you send us. And once again, dear listener, we thank you so much. Now please, enjoy the show. Are we on air? I hope not. Good evening, ladies, gentlemen, members. Welcome to 2019 and to Warrior Death Show's Stream of Thought Season 4. Uh, we haven't really gone over Banana Fish, but we have to leave it behind, I'm afraid. We also move on to new and equally painful territory, as the way this is turning out to be. Uh, I am, as always, you know, your faithful, you know, nonsense talker, Shadon. And joining me, uh, as usual, is good old friend of mine and uh, well-informed manga reader, as it turns out this time around, the Soul Doctor. <laughs> in, this, in, in this particular case, you are. In this particular case, you are. 
I was, well, I wasn't expecting to be sunshine and daisies. Uh, but anyway, without further ado, we have a third member joining us. Um, previously absent for our other uh, streams for a variety of reasons outside of our control, but now joining us to talk shop eyes is none other than the delightful and wonderful Vargelia. Hello, I'm here to ruin everything. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> Don't be that. Uh, Doc, apparently you're still muted. You're not here. Oh, okay. Uh, we can hear. Well, anyway, Doc, Doc was uh, talking for the lip readers in the audience there, so you, you guys are covered. We're trying to be inclusive here. Uh, anyway, <clears throat> so, Promised Neverland. This is going to be the show we're going to be talking shop about this particular season because we've decided to, you know, not go with the Star Trek convention in reverse of, you know, watching something good and then something shit and then something good again and then something shit. You know, we're we going to keep going watching. have while, though. Damn. Like, we haven't you, watched you... anything bad. I am so sad, actually, comes think of it, Vargelia, that you missed out on Franks. I think you would have had a field day with that shit. All ah, I know about Franks is that some of my friends are horny for the like, pink hair girl, which I don't even blame them. I do not. That's, that's all I know. That's a perfectly fine reason to like Franks, uh, as long as it doesn't go much further than that, because the show's... Look, we did we did, we did, did a whole six months talking about it. It sucks. Um, but Franks is actually not the last time, or rather, this is not the last time I'm going to talk about Franks relative to today's episode, because it will be uh, relevant in for comparison's sake because there are some common elements between the initial self of Franks and The Promised Neverland, and another show that we've really? talked about. Basic setup stuff, very, very broad setup, but we'll come there to There is that. a house. There are children. Yes, and yes. I think I've fixed my mic. Um, let me know in the stream if you can hear me, or if, in fact, the stream is operating optimally. Please let me know. I'm managing that. Um, I know you guys, at least in my headphones, got quieter, so I have turned you up quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be an issue, though. But but please uh, have, have we, tell me, chat people. Have we gone to eleven, Doc? Uh, have, have you have you put us to eleven? To eleven. To, to eleven. eleven. Yes. We want to go up to eleven. It's one. Mm-hmm. It's higher than ten. Excellent. Is that how it goes? Uh, yeah. yep. Every, everyone's everyone can hear you now, Doc. So. <laughs> okay. I just want to make sure that you guys can uh, that everybody is is heard, and I'm not like. Super loud over the top of everybody or whatever. Mm. All anyway. right, so that's my job, honestly. <laughs> so, uh, what we'll do firstly then oh, is boy. we'll talk about uh, the show's background, which I believe is your expertise, Doc. So, uh, if you could take us away with a little bit of details on that, all right, who's doing it? Like I said, manga expert in all manga. There's not a manga I don't know anything about now. <laughs> um, that's not true. So, uh, I don't have this memorized, believe it or not. Uh, I am going to pull up the window here. All right. So, uh, The Promised Neverland is a manga that I read via the Shonen Jump app. And <laughs> and it's so it's it's one of um, I find this interesting, like a lot of manga in Japan at least that I'm super familiar with, like the story and art are by the same person. It's um uh, the the creative aspect is is uh, chiefly a singular kind of endeavor. Of, of course, any manga, you're going to have inkers, you're going to have assistants, you know, all that sort of thing. You're going to have a team, but the major vision, like the heavy lifting, is done by a person. But, uh, you know, in, in recent years, I've come across stuff like, uh, I believe, One Punch Man, you know, one does the, the story, but someone else does the art. 
and Promise Neverland is similar, right? So uh, the story is by Kayu Shirai, and the art is by uh, Posca Demizu. And I think both of these things um, are stellar in the manga. <laughs> like, the story is really, really well done, well-paced, super intriguing, uh, very... I just can't get enough of it. It's, it keeps a lot of cliffhangers. It really keeps me reading. Um, and the art, I am super, super in love with the art. And I think the anime has pretty faithfully recreated uh, the look and, and sort of artistic feel, to use a very super vague, smushy word, uh, of those characters. And And yeah, like if you're... I understand wanting to be like pure for this anime experience because that's what we did for Banana Fish. But man, this manga just fucking goes. <laughs> so I will not blame anyone if they want to jump into the manga and and just run because it is uh, holy shit. You're you're in for quite a ride. <laughs> it is quite a story. So so I'm wondering if it's like. Is there enough manga to kind of be a lot more than a single season yes. of anime? Yes. <laughs> and so, like, what, what's the, what kind of the pacing like of the first episode? Is, is it, like, are they cutting anything? Or, like, are they kind of basically including everything? Um, <laughs> the iconic ironing board to chat. <laughs> Already getting it's shouted out. <laughs> It's me. It's, I did. But some it's because but because Super Show talked about it. Yes, exactly. That's happened. But by the way, folks, in case you're curious, I am gonna be moving house at some point this year. And when that happens, even though I won't have to have that ironing board behind my camera, uh simply because <coughs> simply because there's no space to store it. I'm gonna put it there anyway just for funsies. And, you know For funsies, it's your brand now. What? Strawberries and you know domestic harmony. I'm not entirely sure about that, to be honest. <laughs> I thought my brand was you know angry ranting and possibly closet alcoholism, but well, you know. And anyway, that's my brand for that. <laughs> well, you got me there. You got I'm me sorry, there. I'm sorry. Ah <laughs> uh, no, I've I, I've accepted it. I've accepted it. My hair, my scalp hasn't. But anyway, right. Aww. Moving away from you know male pan baldness. Let's talk again about <laughs> so. Question for you, uh, Doc. Like, who's the studio? Like, who's behind this? Uh, the actual adaptation, if you know anything about them. I think A One are involved. Comes to think of our old friends from Frank's. <laughs> Wait I a saw minute. their name. Yeah. Wait really. a minute. I... Yeah, Clover. Clover. Wait. I just want to know what is like the the inanimate objects in our in our recording spaces are getting shouted at. So, are you talking about this fan? Like this this guy back here? Like this shitty like. Uh, work is not even a box fan. It's worse than a box fan. It's the worst fan ever. <laughs> like, but no, the ironing board is the fourth host. Um, and we, the stream mates are still here. We have our comfort Totoro, and we have um, Agretzko here for when times are stressful. Uh, I got another Agretzko that has joined our team. Hasn't been photographed yet, but. Uh, she will make her debut now. Uh, she's very, nice. very angry. Nice. <laughs> but is that it's not how, the time to like, bring her out. 
if we, if we do like a bad show in the future, you're gonna have like regular Gretzko for good shows and angry Gretzko fight. Is that's, that gonna that's a rating system. That, that's how well we is can that do. Your official <laughs> yes. Well, me. Uh, if you want more, 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 in that involved, Jack Scott is for Christmas glasses holder shaped like a nose. Look at that. Oh my god. I can't wear glasses while while we're streaming because unfortunately ah! the screens reflects off it. Ah! Uh, which is really annoying. I'm not blind about them, frankly. They're only really for reading and using the uh, <sighs> cute. But anyway. <clears throat> I have some cute stuff too, but I don't have like a, a webcam or anything, so you can't see it. So you just have to believe I have it. That'll do. That'll do. Believe. Okay, so, um, yeah, A1 pictures, I believe, are involved in this. Uh, you know, yeah. Good for them. Yeah, it seems like Cloverworks, as you said, are, uh, are good old pals from from Frank's. Are, uh, I think honestly, I was going to go into this a bit later, but I think they got a really great studio for this kind of anime, like it, a really amazing studio. Yeah, it's uh, they're the, killing it so far. <laughs> the the execution has been fantastic. You want, um, you want to hear something so, like, bonkers, Shadon? This will this will send you off on one. <laughs> Oh, you want to know? Wait. You want to know who who storyboarded the OP? <laughs> is it Nishigori? Yes. <laughs> it means nothing to me, so I'm just gonna pretend to be laughing. Ooh, I'm sorry oh. for it. <laughs> there we go. No, 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 no. no okay, look, just look. just grab the ketchup for now. Just grab the ketchup. Right. Okay. Here's the thing. Right. I'll I'll just put this on the on the record. Nishigori's my issue with him, apart from the fact that he's a lying, conniving piece of crap, uh, is that he has some asininely stupid political opinions that he pretends don't exist. But that doesn't mean he can't be a good storyboarder. And he certainly, the OP is very well storyboarded. It looks fan fucking fantastic. So you can have that on record from me. Nishigori, if you're listening, uh, you know, when you're not, you know, drinking yourself into a grave and, you know, <laughs> watching too much right wing YouTube, uh, you, you know, I appreciate your storyboarding talent. I just wish that was all you did and not actually, you know, write yeah, about stuff. We we all have our you know, our lane that we need to stay in. And Nishigori yeah. needs to not yeah. have the helm of a good ship anime. He needs to yeah. do a thing. Yeah, he needs so to stop taking phone calls picked... from Shinzo Abe. <laughs> Abe. Right. Abe. 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 Shinzo Abe. <laughs> Shinzo Abraham. <laughs> Shinzo Abraham. <laughs> 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 that's my new uh that's my new stage name shinzo abe uh, so dude. so did he also pick the horrible music for the opening and you... I, I don't think i don't think that okay let me, right. let me you're right this, you're right let me you're right all right let me just, just let me just say something like i don't think the music's horrible i would listen to it it's a good song but I'm really not a big fan of generic anime music with lyrics that doesn't really fit the episode or the tone. Generic, like, electric guitar, pop music, and stuff that pretty much every anime has these days. Like, what happened to just having something more atmospheric, something maybe melancholic, something that has the tone of the anime? Because, the, 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 like, then they won't be able to sell like singles and right it, it's like having shit. the inception bong in your fucking movie trailer 
you have to have the singles. You have to have the thing to attract yeah. the dudes. Yeah. Open, open, open challenge to our audience. Someone recut the OP with the exception. <laughs> it would fit. No, like, you know, when, do when the child, when it shows the child's death. You know, the child corpse just put the Inception bong there, you know, much more impactful. Oh, Jesus. Or, no, like, like, you know, Hollywood, like the violin or orchestras thing that they put in like horror. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. All right. All right. Well, well, briefly, I'll say because and we don't have to talk about this sort of like top level stuff every time. But um, but yeah, we'll talk about like the Cloverworks people. I guess we 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 mentioned the OP. It is uh, "Touch Off" by a band called Uverworld, capital U V E R, lowercase world, Uverworld. Uh, but you know, the director of this show uh, is a person called Mamoru Kanbe, and this is the first time I'm no. Wait, no. is there like one band that no. a bunch of these? No! This is the first time I opened a CV. This can't be fucking true! I refuse to believe this shit. Look, look this up on your own right now, and you fucking... This is a lie. This... All right, go on. What, what do I need to look up? What do we need Mamoru to Mamoru Kanbe on Anime News Network. I'm going to paste it into the Discord chat. And you scroll down and look at what he's in staff in, and you just this yeah. is some bullshit. Yeah, yeah. this yeah. is the lead. Oh my god, Story. the director, the fucking director. director. <laughs> no, we <laughs> <laughs> can't escape. We cannot fucking, escape. You see some amazing shit like Bacano, like Card Captor Sakura, yeah. and then. Elfin lead. Dino Coil. Or wait, no, no, that's not Dino Coil. I'm, I can't read. Sorry. That's you know, since blind. he's done some good stuff, I, I'm maybe not going to blame him that much. And this is an adaptation, just a right? Job. It's an adaptation, like Elfin lead was an adaptation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's just a job. He didn't think up of all this garbage. He Look, he was just really short on cash. He was desperate. It was either that or start, you know, doing mob work. So, you know, one thing is a little less criminal than the other here. But, no, really, I like, mean, how, many, he how was... many times How many times have we watched shows where they've had links by directors, character names, or it... whatever, and you think that's not the last time that's going to happen either? It's this I... incestuous circle that, like, we keep seeing, like, an- like, all anime is made by nine people. <laughs> Conspiracy pins everywhere. Seriously, fucking like hell. you know, yeah. The the bus factor is like insane. <laughs> here. Yeah, don't. Like if someone gets hit by a bus, like the entire industry collapses. <laughs> you know, the bus factor. It's like how many people have to get hit by a bus for your entire thing to go bad. Yeah, yeah. That is the bus factor. Yeah, I. That's, yeah, I, that's good. Yes, if Mamoru Kanbe. Well, one you know what? No, we can't. So, if there's... he gets hit by a bus, there will be so many sad people whose favorite anime is Elfin Lead going like, <laughs> "Oh man, what a visionary!" <laughs> we lost. This That's wonderful. not true. That's not true. That won't. That happen. makes it sound like he had his eyes open when he was directing. And I highly doubt that. Ah, <sighs> but right. okay. no, he's okay. done other A one stuff, like you mentioned, uh, Bacano. 
and uh, the he's worked on the um, Android Kikider anime adaptation, which was super cool. Other good things are here. You know, he directed a little bit of Master Keaton and uh, was a production assistant on the Naushka Valley of the Wind movie, which is an incredible piece of, of cinema and animation. But I was just floored when I saw it. Like, my brain just couldn't handle Kanbei. And that's exactly. the last time we have to talk about him. What, what exactly do you have to, like, do to be credited as, like, a production assistant? Like, you bring the production person coffee and you're a production assistant? You, yeah, I mean, so I feel like Shirobako is very illustrative. Like, a lot of you will be the point person between a lot of the animators who, you know, because if you look on the list of, like, the production studios involved with any modern anime, there's, like, seven. And so someone has to bring materials back and forth between studios, uh, do things like get coffee, you know, be part of meetings, take notes, like, just kind of help everything be cohesive, because so much is happening in all these different locations. Um, So I feel like Mm. that's a lot of it, but... um, this is like a total layman's uh, speculation. So feel free in the chat or YouTube comments, tell us what a production assistant uh, does. And hello, Trickster, by the way. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, let's now talk about uh, quickly the head writer uh, series composition. It's credited to uh, Toshia Ono. And... This person has, let's see, other series composition credits. Gatchaman and Gatchaman Crowd, or sorry, Gatchaman Crowds and Gatchaman Crowds Insight. Both of these uh, really well-regarded critically uh, adaptation, not adaptations, but reimaginings, rather, of a super old 70s superhero anime called Gatchaman. Crowds is, like, much more superheroes in the age of social media. And it's directed by, um, uh, I can't remember his first name, I believe, Nakamura, who directed um, uh, Trapeze, uh, directed those Gatchaman oh. remakes. And this person wrote those. Uh, so Ono also wrote Get Ready Shadon, the series composition credit, and the scripts for episodes 1, 2, and 6 of Land of the Lustrous. Yeah, yeah. But I clapped. <laughs> I, like, I like this man. I like this man already. And also Suritama, where uh, he it's he's it, it appears Ono has written multiple things that Nakamura has directed. Um, I believe it's Nakamura. I could be fucking misremembering, but the same person directed uh, Trapeze and Suritama, right? And so Ono has written for both of those seven episodes of Suritama. Suritama, fantastic, by the way. You should all watch it got a great dub even um it's about a kid with anxiety and also fishing um let's see the perfect insider appears to be where uh ono and uh kambe the director collaborated because we've got some screenplay credits for ono and some episode director credits for kambe very interesting now mm. the music oh the music Ooh. Oh no! Sound design, man. Uh, Well, yeah. So, sound design. I don't have those credits in front of me, but I just wanted to highlight the person who does the music, uh, Takahiro Obata. Wow! Like, 
the only other credit this person has on Anime News Network is a not even a composition credit. It's a performance credit, keyboards and pianos in One Piece Gold, <laughs> which is such a different thing than this. Um, but man, knocked it out of the park with with the music. Uh, I'll, while we're talking, I can I can look up some sound design credits. Uh, and the person who directed this particular episode is called um, Hidekazu Hara. And Hara, oh man, was production advancement on some episodes of Penguin Drum. Another incredible show. Got that for for uh, Christmas on Blu-ray. Very excited to revisit that. Nice, nice. Um, and a couple of other things like Grand Blue Fantasy. March Comes In Like a Lion directed an episode of that, which is very highly regarded. We were asked to cover that, by the way, by someone. So wow. maybe we'll be revisiting a horror thing anyway that's a big giant overview we won't spend as much time on this stuff in future episodes but i just wanted to put all this out there in the beginning yeah that's a lot of talented people i must say um and i have to say like the directions episode i'm going to start screaming and raving about it later because of how good it is give that guy credit because some parts of this episode are magnificent in their direction anyway let's talk about the plot Let's go. Let's talk about plot. So start from the beginning because the beginning is a good place to start. We open with three kids who are behind a gate and they start talking about said gate. They've been warned that they can't go past it or outside the forest that they're in. Dangerous. Now, Doc, I'm going to put this to you very quickly. Um, I'm going to introduce these characters in a bit when they get introduced in terms of the story. But are the three characters here younger? in that scene than they are when the story starts proper after the OP. I got the impression that this was like months or years before the actual story kicks off. Yeah, it's years. In the manga, they don't do that scene at the very beginning. Like, the very mm. beginning of the manga, it takes place, we know, when the, the main three children are 11, and they have this scene later on as a flashback. Right. Okay, fair enough. So that is indeed a flashback to when they previously first found this gate and started speculating about it. Anyway, so we have the OP, and then what follows is a five or so minute sequence of what I really thought was something like a Lifetime movie. Because it's some of the most cheerful stuff ever. You've got, like, all these kids waking up for breakfast, everyone's super enthusiastic for it, you know, everyone's running around, there's so much activity, and there's no one that's unhappy or miserable. No one's yeah, been all of them, like, get along, like, everyone's super happy, everyone's kind of participating in the same stuff everyone knows each other whatever they have yeah. a lovely mom mm-hmm. they do indeed uh, by the way by the way we're now free for free for shows that we've covered on stream before with a lead villain or a villain who, who has a paternal name on one we had papa from franks <laughs> we don't know how mom is we don't know if Bob is a lead villain, though. Well, she's a villain, definitely, by the end of this, okay. that's for sure. Uh, but And then now we have, of course, Mom. So, yeah, basically, stream of thoughts continuing Papa and Mom. being is that, is that oh, if so you're... The, the person's dad was bad? Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. I had forgotten. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. We can't escape it. Basically, all parents in all anime are dicks. You know, I guess Master a... is also like a, a a paternal sort of thing, like a you know. Yeah. Anyway, the fuck. So anyway, as this scene progresses, 
a lot of names are tossed out, but there are three in particular that need to be noted here, which are Emma, who is the orange-haired, you know, bushy, uh, really energetic mother hen kind of child. Uh, she's like, I mean, we've got the mom, of course, but I would argue that of the group there, she's also in herself very motherly. Uh, yep. She's looking after all the kids, getting them all prepped for breakfast. Uh, we have Norman, who is the white-haired one, who looks a bit like a... He's not blonde, but he's younger. What was his name again? I can't remember his name from Devilman, and I feel so bad now. Re, 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 from re, Devilman? Re. Oh, the like what the was... little kid. Oh. No, 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 uh, oh, no, no, no. The Satan. I can't remember his name. Oh, uh, is it just Rioma? 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 Whatever. It looks like it looks like him, except a uh, white head instead of a um, blonde. And then we also have Ray, who looks like a uh... <laughs> man. He he already looks like he's he's evil in his own right, but he he's just got a different way of going about things. Uh, but yeah, he, again, he looks a bit a bit less like he's evil, more like he's L or something. <laughs> like that. Uh, yeah, he's got the hairstyle, yeah. like the, the the brooder, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Thank thank you, people in the chat for tuning uh, chiming in with that and just reminding me. I feel really embarrassed. That I didn't know that. I mean, Christ Almighty, that's like not the, I mean, the mean character from uh, Super Mario, even though it's in the title and nearly. Anyway, <clears throat> are these characters, I just quickly want to say, so I want to shout out um, uh, Sumire uh, Marahoshi, uh, Seiyu of Emma, uh, Maria Ise, Seiyu of Rei, and Maya Uchida, Seiyu of Norman. Uh, these ladies are like... Good voice actors. They really... This was so important, I think, to like mm. nail these three voices, because like, there are some other ones that are going to take me, a manga reader, like a minute to get used to but these three like they killed it and so yeah absolutely like i'm totally i don't have an issue with like i can i can really get like if one of these characters was miscast or didn't feel quite right it would really kind of hurt the immersion for me yeah the voices uh for all three of them suit their attributes really well which i'll be getting to in a moment because it's a key part of what i imagine will be their group dynamic and also what they will need to survive the trials coming up Anyway, a couple more establishing things that we need to bring up. There is also a girl named Connie uh, in a shot that we see of a calendar, which also establishes as being the not-too-distant future of 2045, which to me puts Promise Neverland in the same category of things as, like, you know, classic 80s action films where they always have that opening bit. Like, Los Angeles, 1996. (laughs) Yeah, right. That kind of stuff. I I, I love that. But you'll note that Connie's name is on there because it's presumably her birthday. That's not explicitly stated, but we could probably go with that. Then again, it might not necessarily be her birthday, but also the day in which, well, we'll get to that later, but horrible shit incoming. Content warning. <laughs> um, but they're having breakfast, um, and I'll come back to the breakfast scene later, but there are a lot of details that are established very quickly here that start re- really efficiently and effectively building up this little world that they occupy. But the picture of this opening five minutes or so is quite clear. Everything's great. Everything, everyone's, no one's hungry, no one's dirty, no one's not. So after mom seems to care about us, she's like, you know, she's like play, talking to Emma and said, like, you know, Emma says, I want to do my interest again. And she's like, doing the cheeks, that kind of stuff. <laughs> it is that, very, That very was cool. like so heartwarming because, it, of course, none of my kids are 11 yet, but like, I, the, I've had that same moment with both of my sons where they will like, and my daughter too, actually, come to think of it. Like, they mm. will enter the car or a room, and someone will say something wrong or not say something they're supposed to say, or, like, 
they'll sit in the wrong seat and they'll be like, no, no, we have to do this all over again. This is not right. I'm leaving. Like, no, we have to do it. It just made me laugh. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, after breakfast is had, we get to uh, the kids taking and examining what is soon to be checkouts, like scanning. What's if I know? Like, are they like, you know, putting that items through? Some right. kind beep, of a weird test. Beep, beep. Anyway, the manga so presents small. it as uh, mathematics. And you uh, don't, fair. you don't really. This was kind of like, uh, maybe my memory of it is just poor. I mean, it's totally presented as mathematics, but I, I don't remember getting to see what they were doing or writing. And you really get to see it here. Like, it just looks yeah, like they're I dealing ima- with barcodes and the weird. Yeah, what I imagine is is more like well, because the barcodes were below like answers, so it's more like. Okay, it's like logic uh, puzzles or something like an IQ test. Then instead of pressing a button, they scan they scan the barcode or something. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but but anyway, everyone's taking the test uh, and they get their results. And the three characters uh, I mentioned previously, Emma, Ray, and Norman, they come out top of the class, clean a hundred apiece. And there's actually discussion amongst uh, the kids where they start talking about how. Norman is a super genius. Uh, Ray, in his own right, is really smart, but he thinks on a, in a different way than Norman. Um, and then Emma is also quite capable of keeping up with them intellectually as well. Um, some of the other kids are like, you know, <clears throat> a bit dejected, like, oh, I didn't get anything. But no one's, again, it's, I must stress, I must stress, no one's really sad or dejected. There's not any, like, you know, yelling at over like, like how, how dare you get this top score? Like, there isn't a regular school, you know, people get jealous and all that, but this is quite a tightly knit group of kids and they seem very chill with each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the point, the, the worst we get is that Norman gets challenged to a game of tag. That's, yes. how, that's how it gets back. This, mm-hmm. this, is the big, this is the big conflict of this episode. Uh, it was very exciting. <laughs> but honestly, yeah, I think, I think it's pretty cool to kind of have this uh, these sort of three protagonists with that both feel unique and also are kind of on a sliding scale of like kind of intellectual fedora stuff. So basically, <laughs> you have like the very energetic, but like kind of lacking in those aspects, like Emma, and then you have the other dude who kind of balances both really well, and then you have the very introverted dude mm-hmm. that yep. that is kind of like super smart. And whatever. Well, I would yeah. say I don't think Norman is present. I yeah, Emma is athletic. I don't think Norman is trickster. Like, I don't know. Maybe I read it wrong in in the anime. I don't think he's presented as athletic as much as like he wins tag because he outsmarts everyone. Not yeah, that he's he a better be, runner, yes, jumper, uh, or whatever. He says it himself on like a pure athletic thing. Uh, Emma like beats him, mm-hmm. but he Indeed. ends up outsmarting. And, they're di- so, they, yeah. and they discuss the intellect in, in different ways. Like, um, Norman is smart in terms of forethought and strategy and high-level, big-picture thinking. Ray is actually good at things like reading, much better at things like reading opponents and tactics, kind of in-the-moment thinking and yeah. uh, thinking on his feet and um, kind of pivoting midstream. I think that... That, that's what I think Norman, of when I think of a tactician as opposed to a strategist. Yeah, Norman is the macro, um, Ray is the micro. There's your there's your levels on which they work. Uh, but indeed, Norman does win the game of tag. He catches everyone except Emma. 
in case you're curious, Ray's not taking part. He's reading on his own and also timing this. Uh, so after all that, including a brief scene in which uh, we end catch up with Connie, who's hanging out with a boy named Don, uh, and in which Norman tricks them and then like describes his weaknesses to Don. Um, Don's weaknesses, nice. <clears throat> then he sets off in pursuit of Emma, who manages to leap over a, a ravine, um, which, which he Norman can't. can't follow. But he circuits, he circles around some other way, and he then tricks her by pretending to fall over, which lures her out of the tree um, that she's hiding in, and then he tags her, and she's quite dejected at this. Uh, this is when she, uh, Ray, and Norman like start discussing, like you know, what they're good at, the stuff that we've already related. Uh, they also mention about, like you know, how tag is like you know figuring out your enemy strategies ahead of time. Put a pin in that. Put a big pin in that. I mean, uh, Norman left false footprints. <laughs> yeah. Like, just, who yeah. does that as a, as a kid playing tag? That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they really, I, I guess they have a, a lot of space for playing tag. Yeah. And they've also been playing tag their entire lives. Uh, they've had chance to, like, I guess, yeah. develop the meta. <laughs> yeah, and, and there's you know they're not really shown doing that much else. Uh, they got their chores, they have the math tests, yeah, more or less. and then they have athletic stuff like tag. Yeah, pretty pretty much. And yeah, they also agree with the chat. Like this is a pretty wonderful way to kind of introduce the characters and their personalities, not just kind of like because a worse show would have easily just have them take like two tests. And then the mom is like, yes, this person is smart. Oh, yes, this person mm-hmm. is athletic. But no, like, they discuss it. They kind of introspect on their strengths and weaknesses. Like, you see them actually in action. It's really mm-hmm. well done. Yeah. One other key thing that they say here is they talk about chess. And they say they none of them have ever managed to be um, mom at chess. Mm. Again, foreshadowing, dog. Yeah, put, put a pin in that for later. Foreshadowing? Put a pin in that for later. Do, that is they, do they end up in the last bit from the first Harry Potter book? And then mom is on the other side. <laughs> yeah. No comment. Uh, I knew it. Mom really is Voldemort. Also, I it, haven't read Harry Potter. Sense. Stop spoiling it for me. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. Harry Potter's not good anyway. You're better off not having read it. There's chess at some point in the thing. Is there wizard chess? There is yes. wizard oh, yes. chess. I remember wizard it's, chess. It is called wizard chess. Yeah. Um, so anyway, they have a repeat of the game. Um, and at some point, I think it's um, I think it's Emma who finds it first. Like, she and Norma are like running in parallel. They run into a fence that is only, and bear in mind they're only 11, so they've not finished growing yet. It's only up to their actual, you know, like, knees in height. So it's there, but it's obviously no impediment to anyone. But they do start discussing, like, you know, would they want to go beyond the fence, go out from their enclosed environment? And a couple of the other kids join up here, and they start discussing what they'd like to do when they leave. Um, Ray, being the pragmatic one, says, well, I'd have to survive first. So I'm like, yeah, pin in that one as well. <sighs> yeah. 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 I, I'm trying to remember if he says that in the manga. I believe so. Mm-hmm. I believe so. Um, but um, it... It felt, I, I re- remember thinking that the manga felt less foreshadowy. You know, I already knew that something was up going into it, so I wasn't completely blindsided by what happens in the second half of this yeah. episode. Um, mm-hmm. 
And I'll, maybe I'll, that's just the nature of television with you know yeah. things like music cues and that the foreshadowing is going to seem a little bit more uh, on the nose. Yeah. I'll actually bring up the idea of foreshadowing later when we get to our talking points because um, this is the thing about doing stream of thoughts talking about shows week on week in that we always do kind of let preconceptions and what we know about existing similar media bleed over a little bit. Um, but yeah, we'll it's come back tough. to that later. It's a tough one. <laughs> um, but funny enough, I think this is actually to the promise Severland's benefit, but I'll get to that later. So yeah, they're discussing all of this. Uh, one thing they note as well is that there have been other children who have left previously and they never write. They've never written. And they don't know why. Now, again, like I said, you know, we're coming into this with our, you know, previous media knowledge. So there's a red flag right away. Why don't they write? Something's not right here. Could be something as innocuous as simply no communications allowed. Well, that, of course, isn't the case. But, you know, we could have a lot of reasons why. But there's something suspect here. Uh, Chat is surprised that no child has run away if the fence is small. But I think, like, the anime pretty much like establishes how much everyone trusts mom, the one person that they've kind of had their entire life. So I don't yeah, think yeah, they are like it will talk about this in future. They actually the, the manga does a really nice job of um, actually anticipating a lot of these kind of uh, attempting to poke plot holes and, and really fleshes out the world and the thinking behind a lot of things. But but yeah, they they talk about like you know the best way to do this is to actually imprison the kids by like having them not be in prison just make everything Mm -hmm. open and transparent but like have uh the home be such a place that they would not want to leave that they would not want to indeed emma Emma says as much emma says as much when she is asked what she wants to do she says no i'm good here i'm content i don't want to leave and while we, of course, as savvy viewers might, you know, think to ourselves, no, clearly something's off here. You've got to bear in mind two things. Firstly, she's only 11, so she only has a childlike effect, as is understandable. And secondly, she's only operating on the information that she knows. So it works quite well inside of the show's own world building on a known diegesis that, you know, she would feel that way. So anyway, <clears throat> Connie actually... Uh, joins the group here and she mentioned she wants to be like mom later and this was like nope i can see this coming a mile off i know where this is going so cut to night time and connie is indeed leaving uh she's being taken away as they alluded to before um the reasons are not stated but we don't need to necessarily know them all we know is she is leaving uh red flag for me watching this that's happening at night time Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm also really curious, like, how do they pick children that leave? Because she seemed, like, super young. Yeah, so, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I'm I, sure I, we'll I, figure out these. Mm-hmm. She was basically, like, the youngest person, so I guess, like, how were those other kids allowed to grow old, or what? They I will, think it's because she failed they, the test. Your All your questions will be answered in due time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they really, yeah, they okay. totally will. Yep. Stay tuned, loyal viewer. Mm-hmm. Um, but Fuck, yeah, they I have, have to do... read the manga now. I can't <laughs> sleep tonight. You did Damn. this to me. Damn. Uh, but yeah, Connie is leaving. Uh, there's an emotional scene between her and the kids where they like don't want to go. Uh, but then she is taken away. Uh, as she is walked to the gate that we see in the flashback, uh, she asks Mom, like, what is that song you're humming? She's humming. And Mom just looks like, doesn't say anything. And Man. well... That's the last we see of Connie, anyway. At least, 
in the state she's in. So, um, what happens is that Emma is walking around the house at night and finds Connie's bunny. Connie has had like this like bunny around that she uses. She's only like a really young child. It's to be expected she have like a teddy or something similar to that. And she thinks, oh shit, like, well, she can't leave that. Like, she never would leave with that. It's, she carries it around all the time. And the, we the, as the audience are obviously thinking the same thing. The camera zoom in to Mr. Bunny was incredible. <laughs> yes. I know. Oh my I know. god, yes. What a <laughs> wonderful scene. This is, this is a god upper, good opportunity to say that, like, the show is directed so well. I'm not it's sure to what degree it, it kind of follows the kind of panels from the from the mango, but like I think the show is, has some really interesting like scenes and really interesting ways to frame. You know, action. I don't. Yeah, I actually don't remember. Like, um, this could be a product of my reading it quickly or 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 something. But like, I don't think that they slavishly followed the like the layouts and stuff. A lot of this seemed so, really so fresh one to me. Im- one image that I've seen from something we'll discuss in just a moment is like basically like directly from how they did it in the in the manga mm-hmm. oh yeah so that one yeah that shot i totally so did remember like... yeah i was thinking more of um yeah i guess i was thinking more of like when they discover the gate uh or not discover it but when they bump up against it as 11 year olds and you know emma walks up and touch like I, and, and then the bunny thing like uh, yeah i was like man i don't remember any of that <laughs> but yeah mm. no the scene that you just pasted in chat yeah that is is Yes, yes. We'll yep. talk about it in a bit. We will. We, we will. will. We will. Also, I there's, to, um, I and there's a part like right when um, she finds the bunny, um, when when Emma does, and she's like running out of the house. Like, oh, the running was so expressive. Like, I really loved the way that was animated. Her like hanging a corner like moved. around the desk and moving her arms and shifting her weight. Like, oh, that was like it really breathed life into the character. Hmm. So, um, they, as you probably guessed, uh, Emma and Norman, after having been advised by Ray that the lights are still on at the gate, so they probably could catch up with Connie and give her the bunny, um, they go after. Now, I really, I really do want to talk about the direction of everything that happens in the following five minutes, but I actually want to save that for the talking point later. So I'm going to just be a bit lighter. I'm just going to talk more about the plot here rather than how everything's directed. So bear with me, folks. We will give this seen the proper chase because there's so much so much I want to talk about but anyway <clears throat> they get to the gate now in the flashback we saw that the porticle so however you pronounce it closed not this time it's up so they go in there there's a truck there Norman's wandering around checking inside the truck's cabin Emma checks around the back and thinks oh you know what maybe this is the truck that Connie's being taken from like a bus if I put the bunny in there she'll find it everyone's happy Emma opens, or rather looks inside the top, Dude, back of the truck. When they're walking around the truck, by the way, and it's all like we'll get, silent. We'll get, to it. Ah. We'll, get, we'll, get we'll, we'll we'll talk about it a bit. I want I just want to get. Okay, the, okay, okay, okay. Sorry, I'm sorry. Come in. All right, please continue. So, Connie is there. She's dead. She's had a plant uh, inserted into her stomach, which has grown out of her into a full bouquet. Like a rose. Yeah, rose. Yeah. Uh, and understandably, I mean, you know, as some as a thirty-one-year-old man, I'm like, you know, desensitized to all this shit, and even I would react to the way Emma did. But understandably for Emma, like, she freaks the fuck out, and 
Norman does sue when he sees it. And then we hear voices. And they're human voices. Off, they are human voices. Indeed, if I showed the scene of these two people talking way before we actually learn what they really are, out of context, to someone who said, who do you think these guys are? They would probably yeah, say, yeah. like, military, you know, random dude yeah, with I rifle. would have expected, like, dudes in hazmat suits or something to come out. Yeah, bubble suits. Uh, not so. Not so in the slightest. Uh, these... Thank you very much, uh, Guillermo del Toro, for guest animating or designing these creatures. <laughs> That's what I was immediately reminded of. This is some Pan's Labyrinth shit. We have gigantic hulking black monsters with gi- huge claws, mm-hmm. trudy tongues. They, in fact, now that because I'm rewatching this as I'm talking about it, it actually they actually look a little bit like Elias from the Ancient Mage's Bride. Hmm. Hmm. Yes, yes, you yeah, know, I see it. I see sure, it. I see sure. It. Yeah. Their their face um, is more like a like a gun. <laughs> but yeah, yeah uh, with the, eyeballs. <laughs> the, the, yeah. Um the there's actually three of them. There's like a lead creature who appears to be some sort of officer who has two eyes, like one on top of each other, and the others are just like hulking brutes. Uh they are talking about how they are shipping the kids out to serve as meat to the rich. The tongue, Fuck. but like Da, 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 da. It was like, oh. yeah. Oh. Uh, they place, they take, at this point, Emma and, um, and Norman have made it under the truck. They're doing, you know, the Mel Gear solid thing of hiding in there. And the, Connie is taken from the truck by one of these monsters and placed in a tube of blue liquid. What this is for, I don't know. Maybe it's preserving. We'll find out, of course. This is only episode one. Yeah, I'm um, really wondering just, what, why they needed the truck to begin with, because they killed her, put her in the truck, and then put her out of the truck. Hmm. To get put in the big thing that didn't well, look like it would fit in the trunk. Well, this is also why I'm wondering why they had a fence that was only knee-high for an 11-year-old child. Seems like that'd be more of a temptation than something to go over, wouldn't you think? But we'll come again, that's something they'll come in later, uh, you know, <clears throat> in later episodes. Uh, so, it's then revealed, um, this is why we saw the test earlier, they have a, a like a list of scores from the test, and Connie was one of the low ones. So this is normal one. This is like you know, this is the Asda Smart Price stuff. This isn't uh, you know the fi- Tesco's finest range. Um, <laughs> but we do want the free top rated kids next. We served out to you know uh, the rich people who are buying them. Um, those three kids are of course the people Emma, Norman, and Ray. So they're on the chopping block next at some point. Um. It's at this point that we also hear another voice, or rather someone else is also here, and it's Mon. She's standing with with these monsters, literally being a monster of her own, just in human form. There's your uh, there's your allegory there. Uh, and she says, yep, they, I'll send them out next time. Uh, the lead monster, the two-eyed one, uh, he sent, smells something, looks under the truck, uh, only finds the bunny, Emma and Norman have fled. They've, they've got away. And the aftermath is what you'd expect. They break down the fields. Emma screams her out. Um, she and Norman later are in the bunk room where all the beds are. And they're talking about, is there anything we can actually do? Is, like, can we even escape? Can we keep everyone alive? They're already thinking ahead, like, you know, there's, there's a lot of kids here. What? How are they going to do it? And, and this is Norman, specifically specifically emma is the one because yeah. like 
Norman says, we can do it. We can get out of here. Me, you, and Ray, we can leave. And Emma's like, I can't do it. I can't leave these kids behind knowing yeah. what I know. And then it speaks to her nature, but she's like, we're we fucked <laughs> because, because I can't leave them. So we can't all, and there's no way we can all get away. We're fucked. But Norman is like an anchor. He's like a rock. Like we're going to yeah. do this. We'll figure this shit out. Don't worry. It's like he tag. Calls back to tag. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now he calls back to tag. And so, uh, that's, is almost the end of the episode, but recall how I said earlier about how, you know, they couldn't ever win against mom in chess. Oh no. Uh, Shadon? Vorgelia, can you hear me? First place. Oh, whoa. Something weird happened with Discord. Yeah, let me turn us all down a little. Because you guys got Uh-oh. super loud again. Are we so still live? What, what, what happened for me is mm-hmm. basically the Discord froze for like yeah. 10 seconds. Yep, that happened for yeah. me as well. Okay. Yeah. Cool. All right, so if we're still alive, we're good then. Um, yeah. Anyway. Uh, Sorry about so... that, everybody. I'm I'm adjusting the volume levels. Uh, I think everybody should be good now. Sorry about the freeze. Hmm. So um, she knows the bunny was left behind. So she's obviously not an idiot and wonders how it could have got there. And I think that's going to be leading into, you know, I mean, I can already foresee like all the various problems they're going to have once they actually do escape beyond the gate's perimeter, you know, and get out to the wider world that awaits them. But then there's even the act of getting out in the first place that's going to be difficult. And that's already set, the, you know, the chess game, not literal chess, but the chess game between mom and the three kids that's going to follow in the coming uh, episodes. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, that is the end of episode one, one two one oh four five, uh, which I believe is uh, the lead artist's sort code on his bank account. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> Can we talk about how all of this was done so masterfully? Like, I love the, the direction this episode has been. Yes, brilliant. Something that Chat already mentioned is like, yeah, the, if the kind of reveal of the dead grill was done wrong, it would have lost a lot of like audiences' trust. But they did it so right. Um, I think that's why I said at the beginning, like, I think they got a very amazing studio for this. First of all, like, the directing was, like, you know, I made the joke, I made, this is the reason I made the joke at the beginning, like, where they pull the tarp and they see the girl and it's like, orchestra sting, like, (laughs) (laughs) like a slowly building violin (laughs) to the reveal. Yes, yes, no, they use silence very effectively they use sound effects like to make you uneasy not to punctual not to like be punctual not to punctuate like a thing they think needs to be scary yeah i mean i'm gonna say this it's a a huge it's a huge scene uh, it's a huge pile of like silence really unnerving (sighs) sound then they run away it's still like there's still not a lot of music and you can feel like their desperation uh, the art style represents their emotions amazingly. Like it exa- really exaggerates their facial expressions. Yeah, and it Come really on. gets everything across. And then at the end, you get like this kind of not quite hopeful, but like the kind of yes, we'll do it. Music that kind of punctuates <laughs> that entire scene and builds yeah. everything up for the next episode. Absolutely. Um, so to talk more in depth about the direction, I want to note some particular small touches that we use throughout this episode. Little specific things for individual scenes. 
first off, I, re- I mentioned before the breakfast scene. When we get the camera panning overhead, we actually do see that the tables have spare chairs. So we can immediately infer there were more children here, but there aren't any more, along with the dialogue that Mum said where she made specific mention of them being 38. So you already know that people have left. You already get that impression from Second thing I want to bring up direction. Recall the scene before the small fence where they start talking about what they're going to do when they leave. One of the things that happens a couple of times with the kids is as they are talking, uh, this is a plot point I didn't actually bring up in the discussion, but I'll mention it now. All of the children have tattoos of barcodes on their necks. Well, not barcodes, even just numbers. Uh, There's your other Frank's allegory, by the way. That's the replacement for the code numbers they had. Um, When they are... I like this so much better. I'm so glad it's like just a visual thing rather than like calling them by the code numbers and shit. Like, I don't know. Did did they used to call them by the code numbers? No, this isn't Darling and the Franks. Everyone is called like code blah 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 oh, until yeah, anime yeah, yeah. until anime you know jesus like i think i should give you all names you're called yuki you're called hero and like yeah like that is a thing fuck him fuck him <laughs> anyway so it's the point i was gonna make was when some of them are talking about what they want to do the camera is very specifically framed to show the tattoos just underneath the collars of their shirts yeah mm-hmm. which is your comparison point it's a reminder for the audience that while these kids do have these wonderful dreams, they still have these uh, tattoos on their necks. They are still treated as numbers and less than people, even though they feel very differently. You know, it's almost like cattle. And it's it's like a yeah. kind of foreshadowing to have that those kinds of brands yeah. that they kind of don't even like point out or they don't even think as being unnatural. Yeah. Like it's just, well, we were always like this sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, Everyone else is, you know, and so am I. And honestly, that's like the first, that should be the first clue. Like if you came into this totally blind and you just see the marks, that's like the first, like, okay, what's really Mm -hmm. going on? They all ended in 94. Also, does that mean they were born in 94 or like, were they dates Mm. or like, I was because like because like I was born in '94, and also oh, no. this anime starts on my birthday, October 12. So I'm like, what the fuck? Like, what is going on here? Do you do you happen to have a tattoo on your neck, Vargelli? <laughs> <laughs> you have to have a code number there. Um, yeah, it says asshole. I don't know where it came from. <laughs> was it something? I don't know like, what it means. Was it a drunken dare? <laughs> It was, wasn't it? Never gotten drunk, actually. Okay, so now let's talk about the truck scene. I want to say this first off the bat, before anything else. This is probably one of the very few shows, if the only one I can think of, that I would actually say you need to watch with headphones on to truly soak in the sound design and the the silences you described, Vargelia, and the sound effects they do play. Like, it felt almost claustrophobic listening to it on these headphones. And that it's very few shows I can think of, live action, anime, whatever you want to call it, where you actually are better off doing that. Um, so when they are walking around the truck, we start getting a load of different camera angles, close-ups of like panning shots uh, from the side, close-ups over the shoulder. And then when it actually happens that Connie is discovered in the truck by Emma, like as Norman walks to the left while Emma goes to the back, the camera follows him, so she goes out of frame. And then all you see is of her legs and her staggering backwards. We don't immediately see her facial expression. It's very deliberately crafted here. 
And then we start getting other things. We get some Dutch angles, which deliberately are meant to unsettle, but just some visuals. We get characters who are out of focus versus those that are. Emma's out of focus when she has this reaction and Norman's going towards her. And we're then on Norman's perspective, you know, on his wavelength. What is she reacting to? And then um, when they're under the truck, we're under there with them. We only see one small shot of them from the outside when they're looking upwards. Otherwise, we are right there with them under that truck, watching as these giant claws and feet just walk past them. I'm... Here's the thing, right? I'm going to get a little bit ahead of uh, my opinion here, but I do think that in terms of similar concepts, there are better opening episodes for anime than this. Very few, but there are. Uh, the one that I'm thinking of in particular bears a mild bit of similarity in terms of wider concepts is Yasmin Knight. Mm. I mean, like I've got, you know, the pinnacle, that? the pinnacle first what episode. What is that? Right. Yeah. I think it's on your hard drive somewhere. <laughs> it's, it's, somewhere. it's somewhere. But yeah, like similar idea. You've got, you know, young child character, like, you know, leaving to explore the wider world uh, for re- for plot related reasons. But Yasmin Knight had more emotional beats. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I felt bad for Connie, but I did not feel like anywhere near as bad as I did for for Duranjo when her mum died in episode one of Yam. But that being said, the plot points that it has, this episode maximizes getting them across for its direction, its sound design. In that corridor, when the truck's there, the only noise we hear is that dripping water coming from a pipe above. There's no music, nothing else. This part. Oh my oh my god. Like the 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 dripping water. So yeah, the the yes. scene when they're walking around the truck and it's all silent and the the music has faded earlier is super unsettling. Like the way that they, I could feel cold. Like the it felt silence. Like the echoes would be like I'm in a dank cave just from the audio design. All that, but then like I the very end. This is also skipping it. Like yeah. when the the final water drop hits. And it hits the bunny that mom is holding, and you see mom's eyes. Oh my god! God damn it! <laughs> that is sinister ass shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. God. Oh, mom yeah. is just such a sinister character. I mean, like even her sort of like her humming and the smile that she gives to certain characters, like or any character, really, kind of her default expression. Like it always unsettles me. <laughs> always, mm, absolutely, absolutely. So. From my perspective, I'm sure there's stuff that I missed uh, direction-wise or sound design-wise. But for me, this episode, while its story beats, its actual narrative, to me, doesn't feel yet like it's gone much further beyond your kind of standard youth young youth adventure thing, you know, of getting out of an enclosed environment, exploring a wider world because of imminent danger. Firstly, I like the characters. And secondly, it really made good use of direction and sound to maximize the impact of those otherwise, to me, at present, fairly pedestrian story beats. I mean, you could argue, I mean, all stories have been done before. Originality is dead. So we are always going to see repeats and revisions of similar ideas. This is why I make comparisons to Franks. This is why I make comparisons to Yatman, because there are broadly similar strokes. But it's always the execution that's important more than anything else. And that's where this nails it. Easily. Um, here's a part that talking about the uh, 
the scene, right? Uh, the, the scenes in the second half of the episode. I was really, really worried about how the demons might look. It's, by the way, they call these things the demons. This is what the kids call them. Ah, um, uh, right. I was so... I was like, are these going to be some shitty CG? <laughs> like, what are oh they going to do? It could have so easily been shitty CG. Yeah. Oh, my God. I, I was super worried. I was Boy, like, did you tell me this? <laughs> I'm, like, anxious now for what it could have been. Uh-huh. It I oh was extremely God. worried because they look horrifying, you know, in the in the comics. Um, and it, it all came across so well in, in, the, in the anime. It was... Uh, it was just, it was everything I could have hoped for this first episode. A, a uh, treat, I say. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. So much more I want. I, so much more I want to say about different parts, but I don't want to take up all the all the time. And um, one final thing I'll notice because it was brought up in the chat earlier was, is mom human or not? I I mentioned Guillermo del Toro before, and I mentioned him specifically because I was thinking of Pan's Labyrinth. And one of the key ideas of Pan's Labyrinth was, yes, there are monsters in the world, but humans can be equally monstrous in their own way without actually looking monstrous like the creatures there. And that's why I think that's an important framing device that <laughs> we the... have mom with them. Yeah, all the zombie fiction says hello. We're the real I, monsters. I, I, won't, I won't even like go that far, but I will say like these kinds of questions and this kind of mystery um, is what kind of drives my interest in the show like there's a lot of questions about how the world is outside you know why is mom the one human that's allowed to be there is she human you know all of that stuff is the world overrun by monsters is there a civilization somewhere like what is everything like i think those mm-hmm. are the kinds of questions that you know spike interest in this sort yeah. of thing because mm-hmm. it's, it's an or interesting totally. like mystery yes yeah. yeah or even just the idea of like this being a farm that's arguably not true, because if it is, then, you know, they only got 38 kids there. Like, this is meant to be an industry which they're selling to people. Surely they would have more? Surely yeah, they would who's be making them... all the kids? Uh, believe yeah, me, all, is, um, all will be revealed uh, as yes. far as that, as that front. And I could tell, like, is mom human, is mom not human? I won't say, but um, I will say that the arc of that character to the point that I have read uh, and kind of who you you find out like the things you find out about her and who she is what like it's pretty fucked up (laughs) like this whole everything is so fucked up (laughs) this fucking manga god (laughs) shit's gonna get real i'm i have to read it now oh my god i can i will not be pure next episode (laughs) can i i have one thing that i want to ask you both let me pose you a question um because i'm a nitpicky arsehole and um you know, I'm a bit OCD about this stuff. Would I? Would you think it would have been better if we never actually got the reveal of the demons in this episode beyond simply seeing their feet and their hands as they were clawing underneath the um, the truck or walking around it? Do you think that would have been better for further down the line, or do you think it was good that we got all the complete picture of them right now? I think hmm. the two demons were like different enough from each other for us to assume that there's tons of different kinds of design and that this is basically like a sneak peek into what horrible Mm. shit we're going to see in the future so it's not just going to strictly be those two species i very much don't think so Mm, interesting because i was just thinking like when when emma and norma were in that truck i was thinking of um like when children hide under beds because they're scared of something 
And part of me wondered if it would have been more effective if the monsters had not, the demons had not been shown in full at that point to convey that feeling to the audience. But that's about the most nitpicky I can get. So it's just saying, maybe that might be different. I don't know. Other than that, it's fuck. We're in for a rough ride, aren't we? <laughs> and we see, like, the, even in the three guys, 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 individuals, things, demons that are there, a little bit of variation, right? The the guy that has the there pad. There two of them and the mom, so why? Well, there are three. There Because there's one holding, like, the pad saying, like, ah, oh, like, here's the little thing, yes. you know, and then, like, next time we need some grade A stock. Like, this one is... You know, oh, and then there's the like the two, out? but then there's the two kind of big grunts. Like one is bigger than the other. The yeah. two that's did, like did, put. Connie did we in really? Did we get to see the guy with the clipboard? I don't remember. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like wearing yeah. like a like a fucking black mage cloak. <laughs> oh, can I, can right, I just, right, 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 right. Can I just say, Doc, when you describe them as guys, for some reason in my head, I just had this image pop up of just them playing poker or some shit, like doing some like completely like. Off juicy random crap that we would do, like going to the pub. The three lads going to the pub. Oi. Just eat this one. No, don't touch it. It's not for us. Put it away. This is for special free chums. Yeah. Just just fucking playing pool or some shit, going out for a game of golf. I don't know. (laughs) So, so Felix and chat mentioned like that the expressions of the kids when they see the horrors, right? When they see Connie dead, when they see the demons, when they see mom, like he mentioned them almost being comical, but being restrained enough to kind of keep him in it. And I think that's mm. a, that's a nice way to put it. I like to, to me, like they didn't, I, I don't think that they verged on the comical at all. Like I thought they were so well done. Um, especially like Norman has these really full, eyes like big eyes full pupils and to see him get fucking scared out of his mind and then like mm. the the stuff that happens with the lines around the eyes and the the emma's mouth and mm-hmm. like it was all oh like the fear was so just it was so palpable <laughs> based yeah, on i think it, it was especially powerful since we ended up seeing these characters act so differently like you see norman and you're like this guy is never going to be not scared this guy is going to keep his cool at all times Mm -hmm. and then you see him like he's definitely more composed than emma but you still get a lot of impact just because you feel like you know this character already from Mm -hmm. the amazing characterization yeah i agree totally totally i only read if the cliffhangers stay reasonable (laughs) fuck Uh... i'm reading now i don't care (laughs) Doc, they, it, it's oh, it's his fault. They it's are your fault. They're they're fiendish, dude. The cliffhangers are bad. <laughs> they're rough. Um, I mean, I basically had to. There were so many other things I should have been doing, uh, but I was like using my like breaks at work to like read. I had to read the first like arc to completion. It was like I must. It's like I must know what happens. Must find out and. It just keeps building on itself. Like, we think after this first episode, all right, I know the goals, I know the obstacles, I know kind of what they have to do, but, like, so many more variables are going to be introduced between now and then, and it's just going to keep looking more and more and more like an insurmountable feat that they have to do. But, holy shit, like, 
it just keeps getting better and the cliffhangers are, are good. It says 12 episodes on Mal. Motherfucker. Maybe they're calling the second se- the second 12 something different. I don't know, but I thought I read it was 24. I sure hope we'll so. We'll find them. I hope find so. Um, we'll find a, out. A scene that I really liked, I just wanted to it's jumping around all over the place, but so like when uh, the older kids are talking to um, Connie about writing, uh, you know, why don't the kids write when they leave the orphanage? And she's like, ah, I'll write, I promise. Um, they're all kind of giving justifications, right? Like, oh, like it must be so great uh, in the outside world that they just forget. And, ah, oh, they're having so much fun. Or, like, you know, they're so busy with school. Like, they can't have time to write. Like, they're, like, wanting to find reasons. So I bet, like, the older boys in particular, you know what, even Emma, Probably there's a little bit of a gnawing, like, what is going on? You know, like, what, why is that happening? But, like, but they love the place that they are, and they want to believe, like, that they want to, like, this is a, a place where, like, the narrative they have been told, like, a seam is showing, and they want to paper it over. They want to, like, wipe it away. But in that scene, when Emma is talking to the younger kids, you see Norma, Norman, I almost called him Norma, Norman steal a glance <laughs> steal a glance at Emma and he just smiles at like how kind she is and that moment is incredible because like she's being so kind to the little kids she loves them and so like later on when she's like we have to do this impossible thing or like we can't do this thing because it's impossible because I can't abandon everyone everyone has to go or I don't go like that's totally in line with what we've seen and Norman like Later on in that moment, of course, he's going to comfort her and say what he has to say and try to figure it out. Because you see in this moment, like, he really cares about her. And one of the things that he cares about her, you know, one of the reasons is, like, he sees how kind she is and how warm she is and nurturing. And that's one of the things he really, really loves about her. And that will continue on as we move forward. They'll, they'll flesh all this stuff out. And even in this little scene was great. And in this scene, like, I think they talk about, like, what are we going to do when we get out? Even the kid who talks about riding a train, his name is Phil. And I remember him, and I remember his name, because even that random kid plays a part in the story, like a, a big part uh, in the story later. <laughs> does he get to drive a train? I don't know yet. Please, please don't tell <laughs> I don't know yet. Please, Un- uh, undetermined. Like, the, the thing that I... I mean... This has not given me any indication it's going to be super dumb. But wouldn't it be super dumb if they ended up taking the children's wishes and put them in, like, really bad Hollywood action scenes? I'm like, damn, I see something good, and I can't are you, are you, all the ways you, they can screw it up. Mean, are you mean to tell me that Emma's going to get in a high-speed car chase while riding a giraffe? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my I'm God. I'm going to <laughs> I would, I would love oh, that. No. Um, do we have any other stuff we want to discuss about this episode specifically? Any other bits we want to bring up that we've already covered? Uh, I'll just tell you, I don't know why a flower comes out of their chest or out of their, their body. Don't know that yet. That has not been revealed to me as of the point I am in the story, but I'm sure it's significant because this manga does not fuck around. We need to ask. We need to get Emily Rand on that because it's flower related. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. We should totally. Ask. I mean, I mean, she's she's told me now. She's taught me. If there's flowers in anime, they mean shit. Mm-hmm. They ain't mm-hmm. there for no random reason. No, no, They're there for a reason. Um, 
Oh, Gilly, do you have anything you want to add about the episode in specific? Anything we've not covered? No. Nope, fair enough. All right, so let's rate the episode. Uh, Vorgelia is your first time, Joyce, so we're going to ask you to rate it out of five. Are you come up with a comedic, I like... hate ratings. <laughs> I hate them. Really, <laughs> like... It's, it's like the worst, like... I don't know. I have this image in my brain of, like, the worst critic ever who is like, well, this, ep- you know, this episode was really good. Uh, the directing was good. I give it a four out of five. And it's like, oh, my God. We you're are, we are. Smart, smart critic, dude. Very intelligent analysis. And you gave it a number two. Holy shit. We are a bad podcast, though, to be fair. Yes. I really enjoyed this episode. Fuck. I hate ratings. Why do you have to do this to me? You don't have to give a rate if you don't. I will give it uh, three popcorn bags out of uh, three and a half. That'll do. That'll do. Um, Doc, how about you? <laughs> Amazing. <Board kill>. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I, I'm gonna. Uh, I'm gonna give it. I mean, as someone who already really loves this, like I think they did just about everything right. So. I'm going to go the full five. Five uh, sinister loose water drops out of five. <laughs> okay. For me, um, it's like I said before, I have seen better opening episodes that were more emotionally engaging and more emotionally resonant. Um, yeah, I'm a knight. Um, <clears throat> but insofar as execution goes, I can't think of many other, if any, shows that have had such a strong opening episode in terms of getting the point across, delivering you know, the narrative... And using the medium to its full effects here, like with the Dutch angles, you know, with the way the camera was handled in that truck scene, the sound design, the, you know, um, it has me interested in watching the next episode, which is always a good thing for a first episode star. Uh, I, in the end, uh, will give this episode four out of five uh, sadly discarded bunny mascots. Wow. 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 So I, I think I, the bunny will make. I think the bunny will make an uh, appearance next next episode. So maybe you'll mm-hmm. increase your your or decrease your rating. Quite possibly. <laughs> I, I have. A, Would I we mean, count like the on screen bunnies as part of your rating? Mm. We should. I, I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say. Um, like I'm also really just intrigued because the why I mentioned before um, that I didn't really gain so much detail about was that. We, of course, come into shows like this with our pre-existing knowledge. I mean, I've I've seen, like, you know, Franks. I've seen other shows. I, I'm aware of youth adventure as a concept, like Maze Runner, you know, all that crap. Um, so throw I'm Maze not... Runner under the bus. <laughs> um, so I already kind of, you know, could, beyond what the episode shows us and foreshadows, get a whiff that things were going to go wrong. Um, but... I think this actually shows benefit that it immediately reveals um, what's going on. Whether that's true or not is a different matter, but it gives a call to action for the for the kids. It's not something that simmers in the background that they're unaware of for a couple of episodes, as I originally thought it might have been, like with Franks, for example, where the true you know, nature of the world was not revealed to them until much later in the show's run. Um, they have a call to action now to fight back or to escape from the, you know, ruling class as it were you know the people who are buying them for their meat so i think this is actually to, to the, the materials benefit and it almost feels a bit prescient that it was written that way like okay like 
I, as the writer, making this manga, know full well people are going to probably guess or re- get the writing on the wall for these kids pretty quickly. So I'm not going to waste any time with, you know, addressing that and getting out there that, yes, they are in deep shit. So I also really appreciate its efficiency and that it's got me intrigued and also extremely scared because <laughs> they first have to get out, then they have to survive. Uh, how the fuck are they going to do that and keep together in a tightly knit group without fighting or speech? I mean, that's another thing that I should note. They're so well knit at the moment. What are the group dynamics going to be like as time goes on, though? I mean, I brought up Angelic Hal from Grisaia, the thing that you've not seen yet. Probably for your benefactor because it's fucking harrowing. And that's the vibe I'm getting. Oh. And that is the vibe I am getting from this and how horrible things are going to go for the for the cast. Well, see, well, like the the last part of the the last part of this episode kind of made me hopeful that it's not going to be the sort of thing where just horrible things happen, but like yeah. imagine it as being like a thing where the kids actually end up overcoming like massive kind of uh, ad, you know adversaries and like bad situations with their kind of wits and stuff, and it would be more like dark tone thing but the children are still kind of making it rather than oh shit bad stuff yeah. people <laughs> die or sad so it's not perpetually maudlin or grimdark yes. no i i hear you on that and that's why that's why emma's the protagonist because we've seen how you know energetic and spunky she is and how you know she loves the, the children she cares for she loves a friend um she's happy and vibrant that is good she's gonna be tested i don't doubt there are gonna be moments where she's gonna you know not be the way she is now, the sunny character she is. But maybe that's going to be the point, that that's the thing that will keep her going. I mean, you could really argue, I suppose, in some way, that Emma's the heart, and you've got, you know, the uh, the mind or minds of Ray and Norman. Mm-hmm. That's what, I can that's get what with this, that. Uh, I can get with yeah, that. That's the way I see it. Anyway, <clears throat> that's... That is the end of uh, our... Dis- oh, sorry, Mark. What? No, Adrian. sorry, I yawned. Oh, right. <laughs> okay, so boring. No. <laughs> well, there's... Not so, so, so there's I'm sorry. Two, two more things. Uh, I actually forgot to note when talking about the, the manga, right? Like, So we can talk about the manga as a, a Shonen Jump thing, but like... That has not, like, I don't know, when you think of Shonen Jump manga, right, you think of, like, very disposable entertainment for boys, like, a lot of fight battle manga, fighting stuff. Um, But, like, Neverland has, for the last couple years, 2017 and 2018, been nominated for the Manga Taisho Awards, which are a big deal. Um, And it's done done well in those, uh, as a nominee. As of September 4th, 2018, the first 10 volumes had 6 million copies in print worldwide. So, like, it is uh, well-regarded uh, critically and commercially. So this is mm. this is a, a real thing, right? A, a true success story. And, yeah, I think should be... We, we should expect it not to be, like, um, I don't know... I guess we should expect more than when we might think, oh, we're doing a Shonen Jump thing. Um, and then uh, it's very important that I play this sound. Twitter poll. Because Twitter polls 
we got to revisit the Twitter polls that I made during the show. You can vote in these at Watery Death Show on Twitter. Um, here are the polls for episode one. Is the sound design incredible in Neverland? Early days, but 71% say yes! 29% say it's okay. Is every anime ever made made by only nine people? 55% say yes. 55% believe in the high-level high bus situation that's happening. <laughs> Those are the polls. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, anyway, um, Valgalia, uh, where can people find you on the internet if they want to you know, uh, talk to you or you know, hit you up? Hello, I am at Valgalia on Twitter. Easy enough. Uh, me. Why do we not have our Twitters like under our portraits in the thing? That would be pretty easy to add, maybe. That's a fair point. <laughs> you're all you're um, so demanding. <laughs> God, damn you. Just... what a slave driver! I mean, I got <laughs> yeah. the scrolling anyway. text. Look at the text scroll. It has our. Oh my look God! At it. It scroll. It's scrolling. <laughs> the modern modern technology. Modern technology. Holy shit, Tricks is right. Mob Psycho uh, 200 episode, and I'm watching the fuck out of that in five minutes. Yeah. So anyway, too busy reading the promised level. Yeah. Never yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay. Sure. Um, Doc, what about you? Where can people find you on the internet? Uh, at the Subtle Doctor on Twitter. And uh, by the way, I've shit is happening on my PC, so I have lost right now the ability to look at chat. Uh, and I don't want to go through all the laborious stuff so, to pull it up says again. The text scroll is fancy. Um, someone is yeah. complimenting you. But like, well, I just wanted Ooh. to thank everybody for coming by. Um, it's always super fun to chat with you all, and everybody was so nice at the beginning, you know, saying like, "Ah, I've been waiting," not just like thank to you. hear "Promise Neverland" stuff, but like to hear you guys talk about it. And I've missed thank this you. since Banana Fish is over. I've been, you're all too kind. Thank you very much. And, thank, and thanks, thank everybody, you, thank you like, watching really appreciate it. on demand as well. Yeah. We got um, a sizable audience that does that and leaves really nice comments, too. So thanks, everybody. Indeed. Thank you. Um, so a couple of quick things from my end. Uh, firstly, you can find me at Shaden1010 on Twitter, because unfortunately, at Shaden is still being parked by some random nonsense person who probably doesn't exist anymore. Uh, whatever. Uh, you can find me on Curious Cat at the same thing as well, if you're interested in asking questions. Uh, mild bit of housekeeping. Firstly, I want to give huge thanks to Vargelia for joining us. Yes, um, thank you very much. I've been very apprehensive because I don't think our audience will appreciate my bullshit. But I am very happy. I think to it's be... all right, mine. I think it's all right, my bullshit. So yeah. we're all, we're all on the same boat here. We're a bad podcast by nature. We are. We are. It's in, the, it's in the name. It's in the name. Uh, and and Sophie shouted you out at the beginning and said oh Regalia hype. Well, like they I were appreciate it so much. <laughs> hey, there you go. Um and also secondly, um because um of bad timing, or rather good timing, look at it. I'm actually gonna be in Chicago uh starting uh from Thursday this week until Monday the following week. I am there for Frosty Faustings, which is the first stop in the United States, of the Art Revolution World Cup. Uh, I'll be participating, and I will be doing commentary for two pool sets while I'm there. Nice, nice. Yes, I'm I'm going to be going all in on that. That's and so cool. I, you don't even don't... play Faust. Why do they put you there? Uh, you know what? I'm genuinely, <laughs> I'm genuinely not sure. 
Um, but just as a heads up, if any of you happen to be in Chicago and you think to yourself, you know what, I'd like to go and you know tell that bald man from the internet that his opinions are shit, uh, don't do that. But I will happily join people for a pint if they're interested at some point over the long weekend. Uh, but failing that, uh, keep an eye out on my Twitter for the links to the streams in case you want to watch me mm-hmm. yell about Guilty Gear for a couple of hours. Um, because of that, though, that means that the schedule for next week's Promised Neverland episode, is, uh, or rather this week's, is going to be a bit fluid because it's going to be depend on when I get back and also how jet-lagged I am. Uh, but we'll keep you informed on that. Uh, so stay tuned to our Twitter to uh, hear what's going to be going down. But anyway, uh, that's... That is. I will actually have a very similar, I guess, announcement soon. But also, I forgot. Uh, I'm at twitch.tv slash Virgilia. You can watch me play Tekken sometimes. Yeah. Now that we're talking about fighting games. Indeed. Uh, absolutely. I've been, I've been playing video games on this very YouTube channel that you're watching now. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh my God. What? It's Sw- impossible. Sweary is a good video game maker. Mm. That's all I'll say. So- so, uh, that otherwise wraps up uh, episode one of The Promise Neverland. It's certainly very promising. Thank you again, everyone, for joining us. Uh, I hope that um, you all had a great Christmas and a good New Year and that 2019 is looking rosy for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll be here throughout all of it, ch- talking some kind of crap or other about anime and having a gr- grand old time of it. Do hope to see you then. So, until next time, everyone, as always, like we say on this particular show, embrace your for everyone. It's the end of the universe. A very good night. Mwah. Goodbye and good night. You said it's promising. That was funny. (laughs) That's a good thumbnail. You know, Shadon just going a thumbs up. That's a good thumbnail. Thanks. I love it.